Awesome. Uh, happy Sunday after Thanksgiving uh, to everybody. Um, I think I've had a chance to meet everybody, uh, but if I have not, uh, my name is Micah Cardi, a member here at DRBC. Uh, wife Laura here. We've got three kids, Ella, Michael, and Emmanuel. Youngest is here. Um, we've been members at DRBC since 2021. Um, and Ben and uh, Chris asked me to teach this first week of the finances class. Um, there's going to be a four-week uh, set of courses coming up. Um, and so as we jump in, let me just open us up in prayer this morning. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to uh, come before you, uh, to be as a body, uh, to hear what your word and what your scripture has about uh, finances and the resources that you've given to us. Lord, I pray that you will help um, our conversation to uh, be driven and informed by your word. Um, I pray that you will use me to communicate uh, what uh, you want uh, those in this room to hear, Lord God, from your word. Uh, the Spirit will move and convict uh, in hearts, um, and that uh, anything that I say uh, that is an error, that you will allow to be uh, quickly corrected um, and just uh, taken under uh, just the authority of your scripture in this time, Father. Uh, use these words uh, in this time to encourage us, uh, to point us closer to you, um, and sanctify our hearts. Um, Lord, prepare our hearts uh, for worship as a body this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, so just as a way of quick, uh, just kind of context introduction to myself, um, if I haven't had a chance to talk to you all. Uh, so we've been at ERB since 2021. Prior to that, uh, we helped plan a church. I was the deacon of finances at that church for six or seven years. Um, it was a church plant, served on the financial side of that. Been on a board of a nonprofit organization, served as a treasurer of that. Um, counseled folks individually on the finance side of things. So really feel the Lord's given me some giftings, passions, backgrounds, experiences. Uh, to talk to those, through those things, and so excited to kind of talk through this this morning. Um, if I'm talking too fast, please fuss at me, or Laura can. Um, I, a lot of material, uh, really uh, think there's a lot here that we can kind of wrestle with and think through um, as we go through this, and hopefully set the stage for uh, the next couple of weeks. Um, so just kind of interested to hear, you know, finances is always an interesting topic in a church context, in a interpersonal context. Um, any initial thoughts from any of you about maybe either why you haven't talked about finances with somebody other than maybe, you know, your spouse um, or why we should talk about finances in a church setting? Well. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think we could also have, uh, there's, there's a fear of man of, you know, I don't want other ju people judging and accountability piece of things. I think there can be, uh, well, surely that person has more or less, or I don't feel comfortable. I think there's a lot of different reasons why it comes up. I think there's, you know, obviously each of those things. Um, when, when DRBC thinks through this and why it's important, there's a couple of things, first and foremost, biblically. Um, there's somewhere around 2,000 verses in scripture that talk about finances. Uh, I think more than anything, if I remember this right, uh, Jesus talked about finances from a parable perspective, like proportionally topically than other, anything else. And so when we see something that scripture talks often about and thinks often about, um, it ought to be something that we are considering that we're thinking through um, in, in our lives. Um, Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so this concept of we want to be able to think biblically, we want to be able to think wisely about how we steward, how we think through those things. Um, and so needing to come to Scripture and understand what does Scripture say and how should we then engage with it at the end of the day. Um, second, uh, why do we talk about money? Our personal lives and relationships. Um, you'll look at external research outside of just scripture, um, and money has a significant effect in interpersonal relationships, in stability, in marriages. Um, it can be a contributing factor in a lot of that relational uh, turmoil, strife, uh, you know, kind of that tension, um, things like that. Um, even worry. Uh, you look at the studies over the last couple of years, those that have Millions and millions of dollars still worry about money as much as those that don't. It's a different level of worry, but it affects us um, from a personal level, from an interpersonal level, and really important to understand and think through how we should think about that when what God says, no matter what our financial situation might be. Um, also, uh, kind of third piece here is, uh, you know, the United States is, is one of, if not the, I mean, not technically if you look at GDP and some of the averages, but like one of the most wealthy countries. And yet we still have a lot of financial stress and turmoil, things that um, cause tensions and things like that. Um, a couple of just stats about, you know, just kind of the context of this. Um, within the last couple of years, 50% of Americans said that they have less than $500 in the bank. And so there's no emergency fallback if that big car repair, house you know, issue comes up, and so that leads to stress, worry, anxiety. How do we understand who's given us all these things, how we steward them, how we think through them? Um, significant amount of credit card debt. 60% um, of people just last month in a survey said they're living paycheck to paycheck. Um, some of that may be situations that you all are encountering, and that's challenging, and we want to think through well how, no matter where the Lord has placed us financially, we're able to understand what scripture says about who has provided all things, who is taking care of us, how we need to think through that, how we need to either steward what we have that is little for the Lord or what we have as much, um, and so balancing through those things. Um, as we think about finances, there's also just kind of two, uh, what we'll call false gospels um, that often emerge um, in the church context. Um, one is the prosperity gospel. So I think Garrett spoke last week about uh, some of that false teaching dynamic of if you're faithful, God will bless you with finances. That is not the case. Um, God does not say faithfulness means financial riches on earth. Um, he talks about heaven. He talks about eternity. He talks about um, what he's promising in worlds to come that does not mean here. If we look at the example of Paul and all that he went through, um, you know, 
he was a faithful man following God and yet had little, had rough, you know, situations, circumstances, things like that. Um, there's also a poverty gospel, um, a deny yourself everything and live in poverty. Um, that may be what God's calling you to, um, but that is not necessarily a means in itself, a way to, you know, have salvation or a way to think through finances. And so we really want to think about how has God taught us to handle, process, and think through um, those things well. Um, we have pressures from the world, the whole concept of keeping up with the Joneses, um, of you know, what are we looking in comparison to our neighbors, those around us, those that our kids are in school with, those that we're working with, what trips are they taking? I feel like, especially um, in this generation of social media dynamics of, we're constantly seeing people travel here, buy these things, do these things, social media ads, all of those things are kind of challenging how we think about our finances and what we find our identity in those things. Um, all of those things, are going to affect our lives, how we live before God. Um, and we would be somewhat foolish, I know, you know, I would be foolish to think that that economic context has no, no effect on how we think about God, who God is, how God is relative to those finances. I think we can be easily able to divorce some of those things sometimes. Um, and we also need to be really aware of what does scripture say? How do we think through that? And I would say, uh, not this is the case always, but I think you know Satan wants to take those contexts, take those opportunities to really create doubt, create worry, create fear, all of those things in our lives as we think through those things. And so wanting to be aware of what that role is and how we think through those things strategically. So a little bit of why, where we're going, what we're hoping to accomplish. Um, so really want to talk today about material resources, how we use those things, how we think about that, how we think about um, using and delighting in what God has given us and uh, what he's blessed us with and how we also just think about the dangers of not stewarding, not using those things faithfully um, and otherwise, and what that biblical framework is. So we're going to go through some scriptures today as we walk through these things. Um, there's plenty more that we could have <laughs> that are not in here, and uh, I know in the coming weeks uh, more of those things will be talked about. So just kind of at the top, the main point um, is as God has created all things and owns everything, he entrusts us with resources that we are called to use faithfully and wisely for his glory and purposes. And we're going to walk through kind of what that looks like, what we think, what we mean by God has you know, created and owns everything, how he's entrusted us, um, and our call to be faithful and wise in using those things for his glory and purposes. Um, there's an over, overall kind of biblical framework um, that we're going to summarize in a single word called stewardship. Um, hopefully that's not an unfamiliar term to you all, um, but does anybody have kind of thoughts of how they have either been taught or how they actively think through what stewardship means in their finances? Absolutely. Yep. A manager of something else. Yeah. Nope. That's a great, great component of that. Any other thoughts on the word stewardship? Laura? Just the like, pressure of responsibility that comes, because I think of stewardship as someone sort of stewarding here on earth, not even in terms of mm -hmm. biblical, but just someone stewarding someone. Um, it comes with a very weighty responsibility, so that, that word responsibility comes to mind. Yep. Absolutely. So I think as we walk through uh, these verses, you know, wanting to look at 
that concept of stewardship and what the purpose of that stewardship is for God's glory um, and using his resources. So um, before we jump into the parable of talents, uh, two last kind of more administrative things. So this is week one of a four-week series. So uh, Lord willing, next week, Justin Hughes is going to talk on budgets. So how do we take the concept of stewardship and look at it in the context of what God has provided us right now and how we use our money strategically and effectively? Next week, uh, Eric Pelletier is going to talk on generosity. Um, Where do we think about giving? How do we think about using our money effectively for what God has uh, called us to? And the last one, uh, Ben Hamilton is going to be teaching on more of the practical aspects. So some of the relationship to budgeting and generosity of spending, how do we think about debt, how do we think about earning money, saving money, and investing, um, and think about that from a Christian principle perspective. Um, I would also say uh, there's there's a lot of books out there, um, I think, we always want to take what does scripture say and look at how that then you know translates into what those things are. Uh, three authors that I would kind of recommend as generally having good context. The first is Randy Alcorn. He's written a lot uh, about a lot of different things. He has a couple of books on finances. I think there's one with the last couple of years that I deleted the title out of here. It's like Wealth, Eternity, and Possessions or something like that. So thinking about what we're looking at eternally versus what's on earth. Um, Russ Crossan, C-R-O-S-S-O-N, is the founder of Ronald Blue and Company, which is a Christian-based financial advising firm. He has a number of very helpful, practical uh, books there. And then Larry Burkett, um, who oversees Crown Financial Ministries, um, all three of them have a number of resources. Uh, Crown Financial has a very basic kind of entry-level book. If you're just trying to delve into it and get some things, uh, it's written at like a sixth grade level. So just proceed, proceed carefully. Um, there's others out there like Dave Ramsey and others who, you know, have good principles. I think it's always going to be a weighing, much like anything in our Christian lives, of what does scripture say and how do we look at it in that context to make sure that we're not taking a principle that, you know, Dave Ramsey has of you can't have no debt, which has biblical ties to it, but read it in the right context and order there. So a couple of things there um, to be thinking about. So we're going we're gonna to centralize most of this time on the parable of the talents found in Matthew 25. Um, so if you can turn there, I'm going to read this um, in just a minute. Um, but instead of trying to kind of you know pick and choose a number of different verses, going to kind of centralize in that and look at Uh, four different components of this passage. So I'm going to read Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Um, And this is, uh, you know, Jesus in a number of different parables and teachings to his disciples um, and uh, followers. For it will be like a man, and this is talking about the kingdom of heaven, going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Um, and just for context, a, a talent of silver today is worth about $16,000, and a talent of gold is about, worth about $1.4 million. Um, so it doesn't necessarily specifically say here whether it's gold or silver, um, but not an insignificant amount of money. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and held his, hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. 
You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had two t- the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. Into that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A lot of of things in this passage. Um, We're going to focus on uh, just a couple of them as we think about the concept of stewardship and faithful using uh, the Lord's resources. So we're going to talk first about the master, um, his role, kind of his dynamic. We're going to talk about the servant. Then we're talk about faithful stewardship, um, those servants that faithfully used those talents, and unfaithful stewardship, um, those that did not. Um, if you have questions as we go, just let me know, raise a hand, um, you know, jump in. Uh, I'll pause in a couple of these breaks, but uh, you know, if there's want to dialogue on things um, as much as we can. Um, so I think, you know, based on what I know of everybody in the room, probably pretty obvious that the master in this uh, parable is uh, is kind of a picture of the Lord of God, of the one who created everything. Um, why? Why do we see? You know, what's kind of the equivalency here in the view of how the master is? described and viewed and how we would see God? What are some similarities that we would see in those dynamics? And why, why would we view God as the master? We view him as the master because he's the one sort of that has, that has and then hands out, gives. Yep, absolutely. Micah. Absolutely. So yeah, the master's over all things. Um, he's entrusted us, though he's not, he's present with us in his spirit, but not in, in the reality piece of that, or the fullness part of that. Um, he created all things. He's over all those things. He has command of all of those things. Um, it's important for us to make sure that as we think about wealth, resources, otherwise, uh, that we have a proper understanding of God's relationship with his creation. Um, And I think that ordering of things is really important. So the first kind of point related to the master is God owns everything. Um, Everything was created by God. It belongs to God. Um, As we see in Genesis chapter one, he created everything out of nothing. Um, And so he has that full and total control over all things. And we'll talk through kind of the different elements of that in these scriptures coming up. Um, but it also means that as the creator, he has the claim, he has the kind of control over everything and should have that dynamic in how we view all of our resources. Um, and we'll talk through kind of the basis for that. Andy, would you read Psalm 24 verses one through two? So the earth is the Lord's and 
Thanks. So there's, there's nothing that isn't the Lord's. Um, and so as we think about why we should think about these resources, whether it's our house, our car, our finances, it's because they are ultimately the Lord's at the end of the day. Um, and so I think that's like, hopefully that's not a new concept, um, but I think it's an important concept for us to be consistently coming back to and how we think through of um, how we think about events, how we think about circumstances, how we think about good and bad times, frustrating and such, um, of who ultimately controls and has all of these things. Uh, Kyle, would you read uh, Job 41.11? So I think another piece of this for us to think through is that, um, and I think when we talked about the definition of stewardship, this is where that, there's a contrast. I think we could read Matthew 25 and say that there's some sort of debt at, debt at play there of, you know, the master gave and lent money or things like that, but that wasn't the case. And it's not the case with the Lord that we have some obligation to give him a certain amount or to give him, you know, a, a total amount or whatever it is. All of these things are his. He is not asking for us to uh, give him something to receive salvation from him. He's asking us to follow him in obedience in how we're using our resources and how we're using the things that he has given us and how that he has used for us for his glory and his purposes. Um, not just frivolously, but to be strategic and, and thoughtful about those things. Um, he has the authority to use all of these things however he wants. Um, and, you know, we see different parables of the coin showing up in the fish uh, with Jesus of just, you know, some of the randomness of, of money that's talked about in the Bible. Um, but he is looking and has all of that control. Um, I think it's an important thing to kind of just pause and reflect on of that notion that God owes nothing, that God owes nothing to his creation. He owes nothing to us. He's given us all things and that we don't actually have any of these things as our, ours, our own. Um, I, you know, I think that can, that can definitely rub me wrong, raw at different times um, of, you know, well, I, I worked, I did this, I earned this, I used this, I invested this. Um, you know, we recently had kind of a sell, sold a house that we expected to get a lot more resources, a lot more money for as we bought a new house and, and you know, how we wanted a monthly payment and things didn't go how I would have planned them to be. Um, and it was about the time actually where the church was doing the building campaign and we wanted to be able to be generous and it was like, hey, these things don't line up with how we're thinking through them. And it's been a, interesting to see the Lord work and say, hey, where am I trusting in what our realtor said we would get or what I thought the finances ought to be or what I projected things out to be? And yet the Lord has provided. We have not lacked. We have not wanted. And how am I making sure that I am submitting those things that he has entrusted with me on earth during this period for his purposes and not fearing, not worrying, not being anxious about those things because they're ultimately God's. And so I think it's important to kind of think about those things in our own hearts and our own lives of where we're potentially, you know, driven to anxiety or worry because of our resources, whether, you know, the financial side of things, whether, you know, the owning of it, whether it's a, you know, hey, there's a, a scratch on the van or whatever it might be that's like frustrating, like, you know, ultimately that's God's and how are we allowing that to inform how we approach things? Um, Andrew, would you read Romans nine twenty through twenty one?
Thanks, Andrew. So again, this concept of everything was created by God. We are created, our children are created, all the resources that we have are at and from God, um, and he has brought all of those things. Uh, Laura, would you read 1 Timothy 4, 4 through 5, and then six seventeen? Yep. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. And then 6.17 says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So I want to key in on a couple of things out of these two verses in Paul's letter to Timothy. So first in 1 Timothy 4, for everything created by God is good. So all of these things are ultimately good. Um, Sin has obviously corrupted um, and has broken a lot of these things, but all of God's creation and the things that he has blessed us with um, are good. He's assigned value to it. He hasn't just made it neutral and said it could be good or bad. God sees those things as good. Um, Now, it the sin didn't destroy the goodness of it, um, but it definitely affected how we experience it on earth. Um, they're both good, but they're also something to enjoy. In 1 Timothy 6.17, Paul says, God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Now, that enjoyment may not reflect what we think sinful human on earth enjoyment looks like, but it is an enjoyment in God and a joy in God and what he's provided and how he's worked and how he's moved. Um, that may not mean the vehicle you want to drive, the house you want to buy, the vacation you want to take, the food you want to eat, any of those things. But those things are secondary to our obedience to seeking after God and seeking his joy and glory and purposes and seeing his work um, and the use of those resources. And so wanting to kind of understand and, and, and balance those two things. Um, also want to think about some of the, the idols um, that Paul talks about us being concerned, on, concerned about here. Um, so he says in the first Timothy six seventeen, um, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Um, so we should not seek to be rich for the sake of being rich, as the world does, as the concept of how much money can I make, how good of a financial position can I be. That does not mean we shouldn't be wise stewards thinking about how God is providing and how we should use that long term, but it's that balance of what are we ultimately seeking for? Are we seeking to steward what God has given us for his glory and his purposes, to see the gospel go forward, to see lives being changed, to to love and care for our neighbors? Um, Or are we doing it because we want to retire at 55 and go golf every day and think about those things? I think there's a balance there and there's not, that doesn't mean there isn't the enjoyment and the rest, but what are we really driving at and how are we thinking strategically at that? And I think when we think about the first of why it's important to talk about finances, um, that concept of testing that in community, um, it is very easy, even in your own marriage, to kind of get like, okay, we're good, we've got this course. But are you testing it in the concept of somebody else saying, hey, are we, are you, you know, you have these gifts, are you using them for God's glory? Are you using them well? Are you using them wisely? Um, because we can become kind of not, not self-centered, but we can be a little bit self-centered and we can be a little bit echo chambery um, of ways of just kind of, we've got this path and nobody's really kind of speaking into that um, and maybe helping us find a path of where we could use those more effectively and wisely. Um, The second thing is that Paul does not teach not to be rich. We talked about kind of the poverty gospel at the beginning of, you know, we have to just give up all worldly pleasure. 
but he teaches not to rely on wealth um, as the end-all be-all, um, and that we should have thanksgiving to God for what he has given us. Um, one important thing I think here is um, the holiness part of this, how we, how we see God with our resources, is ultimately about our heart, um, our heart posture, how we're thinking about God. Um, we want to see God's goodness. We want to submit it to him. We want to be thankful to him in that. Um, he owns everything. He owes nothing. All that he made is good despite sin. Um, and, you know, the secret, the, what we want to think about here is not running away from thinking about this, but stepping into relationship with God and his word and thinking about um, what, what, what he's given us, why he's given us, and how we can use it effectively. So the second piece under the master is God gives people their wealth. Um, I think this is a, a challenging dynamic um, in, you know, a lot of things of, you know, especially in an affluent area of, you know, why, are, why might this person be doing well even in a church context? Why am I struggling? Why, you know, what, what are all of these things that we need to wrestle with? And I think it's important to make sure that we're coming back to Scripture and thinking about what God says. Um, and so in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, the first verse there, I'm just going to read it uh, briefly here. Um, Paul asks the Corinthians, what do you have that you did not receive? Um, and so there's a concept there of all of us received something from someone at some point. Um, and we talk about this with, with our children <laughs> as well as like, you know, when they talk about, you know, something that's theirs, it's, you know, well, yes, you currently have possession of it, but you only have possession of it because we purchased it for you or your grandparents purchased it for you or your aunt or uncle purchased it for you, or maybe you purchased it with the money you got, but you got money because you worked a job because God gave you a body that could have the capability to do that. And ultimately it comes back from God. And so thinking about what we have is from God in that. Um, there's nothing that we have not received. There's nothing that did not first come from God. Um, Becky, would you read First Chronicles 29, 16? Thanks, Becky. So even in the Old Testament, King David, all the riches they had, recognizing where things are coming from. Um, and there's, uh, you know, when, we, when hopefully Eric brings this up when he talks about generosity, but in the Old Testament, and I, I forget if it's with David or Solomon, but they talk about uh, the people gave so much out of their generosity that they stopped taking gifts in. Um, oh, that we would be at a place where Del Rey was receiving so much final financial resources that they could not we could not be using it effectively enough for the gospel and you know, need to partner. Like that, that dynamic of these are all God's things. And so we can give generously because it is God, because God's, it is um, what he will provide um, and take care of us. Um, 1 Samuel 2.7 says, The Lord makes poor, and makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. Um, so we have the parable of talents. We have a, a servant who had five talents. We have a servant who had two, a servant with one. Um, not every individual is going to have the same material resources. God doesn't promise that. He never does. And so that's where we don't want to get in the prosperity gospel of everybody's going to have a fancy car, a private jet, uh, a single family home. Um, we want to realize that, that there's a number of factors at play. Um, I think it was you know, kind of mentioned earlier about why some folks may not. Um, there's a lot of external environmental factors in terms of 
what job you have, what gifting, maybe your family upbringing, you know, what kind of culture you were raised in, what place you were raised in, how those things were thought of, um, those have an effect. I think it's really important under the lens of scripture to talk about that if you haven't in your marriage relationship or you know whatever that relationship might be of what is driving and informing these things um, we had a lot of early marital we'll call, conflict um, and conversations over how laura was raised versus how i was raised how we thought about money how i think about money how laura thinks about money um, that are really important to work through and see where the lord has kind of you know given opportunity for you to reflect to confess sin, to, to think through those things um, effectively, um, because we want to use those things. We want to steward those things well. Um, we don't want to see if God has provided us with, uh, with you know, financial resources as you know, something to you know, look down on, but to use wisely. And if God has challenged us and our financial resources, we want to think wisely about them, like the widow who gave her last two pennies, um, you know, as Jesus talks about in the parable, um, versus the priest who kind of you know, gave a pittance of an offering, you know, related to that. How are we stewarding and using those things wisely? Um, so we want to really think through, and I think it's important from a, con- from a kind of a basis here of God is the master, owns everything, and he gives people all of our wealth. And those are foundational things that have to inform everything else. And when they don't, we're going to get kind of those identities uh, misaligned there. So before I move on to the servant um, and flip to the second page of the handout here, um, any any initial questions, comments, anything? Yeah, Lau? Yeah, it's a great That's a great question. So I think that we want to think through those as two separate lenses. So the first lens being what as believers, assuming everyone in this room is is you know choosing to follow after the Lord, are we seeing as the ultimate treasure? Um, And if our eyes are placed on, we are following God in obedience for the purposes of his kingdom, his glory, pointing others to Christ, and for the eternal glory that he has promised us as his saved sons and daughters, then the, the wealth of the world is secondary to that identity. And I think in the context of the wealth of the world, it's very easy to see that prospering. But we see that, and we can often forget that that prospering maybe here on earth. Now, there may be those that the Lord has, you know, given wealth that are believers and are using it well, or maybe not using it well, but, um, you know, I think it can be easy to say the difficulties on earth are affecting how I'm not thinking about the eternal side of things. And I think that's where the psalmist is seeing, you know, that tension of I'm living in the reality, the here and now of these people who have it easy. They, they don't seem to be struggling. Now, I will caution, I think, you know, based on what research says, 
most of those folks are actually worrying about more things than you may think and different things um, because that wealth's not solving it. But it does appear on appearances sake. Um, but I think that's the tension where I think Satan wants to tempt to say, well, they're doing well, you're following God and you're not doing well, like, or you're not doing as, you know, things like that. And so I think there's an identity piece there of making sure that our identity is in the Lord and in the eternal kingdom. Um, and I think, you know, I think in that Psalm and otherwise, other where, you know, it talks about, well, hey, all one, all day, one day, all of that's going to burn. The thing, you know, the, Paul talks about in the, the New Testament, you know, everything built of, you know, stone and, and I'm butchering the, the, the quote, but, um, or the verse, but, you know, it's all going to burn one day because none of it matters compared to the obedience and following God and eternal glory. And so that's how I would kind of I'd contrast that. I think it's still going to be a challenge. I think we need to recognize it's a challenge and where all of us have temptations one way or another in the financial realm and what is that. All right, so we will uh, go on to the next portion um, here in talking about uh, the servants. Um, So again, God is the master. That would make us the servants. Uh, not, not a terribly challenging thing there. Um, if God owns everything, um, then what does that make us another noun potentially that we talked about in terms of the wealth we possess? We are stewards. Um, we're not debtors. Um, we're stewards. We're thinking wisely about what God has given us in the context that he's given us in, in the world that, we've, that he's given us. Um, I think it's probably, you know, as we think about this and we think about the concept of we do not own what we own, um, that, that's hard, <laughs> I think, in an American uh, capitalist, materialistic kind of society of um, ultimately our house, our clothes, our computers, our TVs, our cars don't matter one like to God. Now, that's not to say that he's not going to use them, he's not going to have a role in them, um, but ultimately, compared to eternity, they don't matter. And in the construct of this, they are God's. Um, they're not ours. He has gave them to us to steward for the time that we are here. Um, it's hard to admit that. It's hard, it's hard to kind of go with that tension of, I worked hard, I earned it. Um, you know, don't tell me what I should do with what I have, that concept. Um, but if we think about the construct of everything in our lives is submitted under scripture to God in obedience to him, um, it would follow that all of our resources, our paychecks, our houses, our time, our material resources are submitted to the Lord. And I think that's an important piece there. Um, we see in Luke 18, uh, 22 to 23, when Jesus um, is talking to the rich uh, young man, ruler, um, he's, uh, Luke writes, when Jesus heard this, Jesus said to the ruler, rich, young rich ruler, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. Um, there is a calling that we all have, and I think a calling all of us have in different ways in, in America compared to, you know, if you've traveled to a third world country and kind of seen how people live, um, to use what the Lord has given generously um, in whatever he has given. And that's going to vary in each of our contexts. And for some of you, the, the concept of money and that is a tension because there isn't much and it's a challenge right now, or it has been a challenge for many times. Um, and so 
the Lord sees and hears that. Um, he knows your needs. Uh, I think, you know, I've, I've seen the generosity of, of DRBC and, and members and benevolence and otherwise. And so if there is a need there, like know that the church is there in that, con- in that construct. Um, and for those that he has been generous to, think about how you can be generous in those ways, how we can think about um, not being like the rich young ruler and saying, I have all of these things, they're mine. Um, because that ultimately is leading us away from the Lord. Um, he did not want to submit to God's lord, lordship and ultimate ownership. Um, and I think, you know, as we think about this, it can be, you know, on the other side of things, it can be easy for us to get angry or frustrated or, you know, have conflict with God over not getting a job, not having savings, not having financial security, not um, making as much money as we think we ought to, not having a nicer car, not having a bigger house, whatever some of those things are. Um, and I think we all need to examine our hearts on an ongoing basis, whatever that might be, and say, you know, where is the Lord kind of pushing on and, and having kind of that, that tension of, hey, I'm, I'm calling you to serve me. I'm calling you to, to, to follow after me um, because none of us own any of the things that we have in an ultimate sense there. Um, and I think one of the things as I was, as I was looking through this, um, Jesus in the parable, um, or the, excuse me, the Sermon on the Mount um, in Matthew 6, 25 through 33, um, you know, this is a, an often, often quoted and used verse, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase parts of this because I'm farther behind than I thought I was going to be. Um, but he says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Um, and then going to the end, um, let's see here. Uh, therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Um, and I think it's interesting here that Jesus talks about very basic things here. He talks about life, or ba- basic things of life, food, drink, and clothes. Everybody needs to eat. Everybody needs to drink. Everyone needs some basic clothing. Um, he's not talking about other things, more um, superfluous, you know, nice to have types of things. But he's saying, I'm going to provide, the Lord is going to provide for those basic things. Um, and there's going to be context where it seems and that there is not provision, um, for sure, and sometimes. Um, you know, that does not change who the Lord is. It does not change his faithfulness and his care. Um, but I think it's important to call that, that Jesus is talking about that dynamic. Um, he's talking about trusting God in those basic things and what the Lord will provide um, in that. Um, I think when we, I think we need to just, as, as we think through these things, we need to let scripture define how we think through what the Lord is going to provide and, and not the world, not the outside influences, um, not those outside dynamics. Um, we are his steward of what he's given. Um, and that leads to the second point of we're only stewards of what we've been given. Um, we're not being asked to steward other people's things. We're being asked to steward what God has given us. Um, we are trying to bring glory to God and make his name known and spread the gospel through the resources that he has given. Um, if we go back to Genesis, um, God didn't just create man. He created man with a task to rule over the world and to care for it. Um, he's given us a responsibility, not just in our personal lives, but a stewardship over all of his creation, how we think through that, how we think through raising our children, using our resources wisely in their care, 
taking care of our neighbors, those in our church, those around us, um, because he wants his gospel, his, his goodness to be known through those actions and how we use those things um, and, and all of that. So just as we think about that, uh, you know, know that there's a scope of things that is what God has given us, not, not everything that we have to, we've got our scope and different scopes in that, that dynamic. And I use scope too many times there. <laughs> Um, before I move on from the servants, any, any questions on that section? Any thoughts? All right. Going to get to a bit of a speed round here. Uh, so uh, the next uh, st- section is looking at um, faithful stewardship. How do we glorify God um, with our what he's given us? Um, so I want to hit on a couple of things briefly here. Um, apologies in advance for my time management this morning. <laughs> um, so the first two servants got, that were commended by the master as good and faithful were commended for that for a couple different reasons. One, they were immediately obedient. They received those talents and they went to, to take care of them. They thought well of their master. They knew how he was thinking through money, how he was handling it, and they responded in a way. So they, like us with God, we need to think about how God wants us to be using our money and using it effectively. They were productive. Uh, they had faith to take risks. Um, that's an interesting dynamic there of the risk-taking. Um, I think you know some of these future classes, when Ben talks about investing and otherwise, there's some, probably some good principles there. But um, they didn't just bury it. They did something with it. Um, they received profitable returns. Um, in this case, they received actual financial returns. Our returns may be investing for spiritual reasons. It may be investing in uh, the church and the work that it's doing to pay the pastors. Maybe investing in nonprofit organizations that are spreading the gospel and meeting felt needs. Maybe providing food, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but they were, there's, there's a return to that. Um, and they were patient to wait until the master returned. Um, as we think about our faithful stewardship, uh, the first thing I wanted to, to touch on is from 2 Corinthians uh, 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Um, so we want to follow Jesus' example. We want to not put our hope in, we have a lot of financial resources, but how can we use and empty ourselves for the glory of God, for his good, for uh, showing that to others. Um, we also want to think about this in the context of our, of our entire lives and what eternity will be one day. Um, so I'm going to skip the first Peter passage. It's a great one. Second um, <laughs> Corinthians 5.10 says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Um, we, have, we will be called to account on the day of judgment, um, thankfully, as believers, not whether we're going to live an eternal relationship with God in heaven or be sent to judgment in hell, but how we used what God gave us and the gifts that he's given us. There's going to be an accounting of that in how we were obedient to him and how we trusted him and how we sought after him. Um, and so there is an obedience factor of, 
if we truly believe this, if we're truly looking to eternity in the context of our resources, how are we giving of those things? How are we being generous? How are we stewarding those things wisely and prudently um, for others in there? Uh, Jesus taught not to lay up treasures on earth where thieves break in and moths destroy, but to lay up those treasures in heaven. And so how are we thinking about those things when we're making a trade-off of, I could get this new car, or I could you know, support this family that's in need, or I could get this bigger house, but that might mean I need to give less to the church. Like, how are we thinking about those resources in the light of eternity in those trade-offs? That is not, those are not necessarily binary decisions. Please don't hear what I said as a this or that. Um, But I think it is something important to think about. How am I strategically using all of what God has given us um, for, for his good? Um, how How am I letting the Holy Spirit work in my heart to be changed and actively stewarding what the Lord has given us. All right, I move on to unfaithful stewardship, um, which uh, kind of shown by an evidence of a lack of faith. The unfaithful servant hid the money in the ground. He didn't do anything with it. That would be like if the Lord gave you, you know, a, a steady paycheck, plenty of opportunity, and you're like, you know what? I'm just going to hold on to this money. I'm going to wait till retirement. I'll give money then. I'll give it away then. Um, and not thinking here and now, in the moment by moment, day by day, how am I able to faithfully use what God has given me as, as a resource? How am I able to lean forward in that? Um, he neglected his responsibility, and he didn't consider his math- master worthy of stewardship. He said, I, I, I'm, I'm scared that I might lose it. Um, and when we look, at the, we look at what Jesus called the disciples in terms of how they live their lives, it was to give up their lives. It was to leave things behind. It was to, to focus on the gospel and glorifying him. And I think there's a, a lot of parallels here in how we're called to seek after Jesus with our money, not to hoard it, to be wise and prudent and to think both short-term and long-term, but also be generous um, and be able to be forward-leaning um, in that. Um, and the consequence um, of this servant was he's thrown out into the darkness into hell. That's, that's a lot <laughs> um, for that when we think about that. Um, you know, the parable teaches the faithful, faithless servant will suffer eternal punishment. Um, the, the dynamic here, though, is our eternal state is tied to how we view our master God. The faithful servants trusted their master would return, as he said, and that he would reward them when he settled their accounts. They trusted absolutely. They didn't hold anything back. The unfaithful servant didn't trust his master. He either thought the master might not return as promised, um, or that when he did, his faithfulness wouldn't be rewarded. He hedged his bet. He was not wise and prudent in using the resources the master gave him. Um, He failed in the obedience and faithfulness by just burying the talent, not putting it to work. He didn't have faith in the master's promises. He had no faith in the master's goodness. Um, He squandered that money. He squandered that time. Um, And I think as we think about this parable, um, it is about how we steward the resource and talents, but it's really about whether we believe in God's promises and goodness. Do we believe that he is going to return, as as Micah mentioned at the beginning? Um, Do we believe that he is faithful to provide, as Jesus taught in the parable in the Sermon on the Mount? um, How are we seeking God? How are we we, um, having that faith? and maybe you're sitting here, believer, you're struck by the faithless servant, and there's some conviction. And I would say that's good. Uh, confess that to the Lord. Find local you know, you know, community people that you trust um, to have conversations about what repentance looks like, what it means to turn away from, from that and trust in the Lord. Um, maybe you're sitting here and you're not a believer. Um, know that sin requires judgment. 
one day we'll be asked to give an account. Um, if we keep living for ourselves, our own means, our own ways, um, we will fall short. Um, we need Jesus. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose three days later. Um, and if we don't believe and trust in him in that, um, in, our, you know, in our lives as a whole, not just our finances, then we'll be separated from, he, from him eterni- eternally. Um, he wants us to see that need. He wants us to repent. He wants us to come to him. He, he waits, hopefully, for that. Um, if that's any of you, I'm happy to talk after class uh, with you about that um, dynamic. Um, all right, what, one closing point before the application. So um, one thing on this part of the class is, you know, talking about stewarding, um, it's, it's not just about stewarding some of the things God has given us. Um, if we go back to God is over everything, God owns everything, uh, it's not as if we can give him some of ourselves and we get to keep some of that. It is an all or nothing thing. It's not about stewarding some of the money, some of the time, some of the resources. Um, it's about everything we have. Um, it's about our money, our time. How do we trust on the promises that God gives that what he has called us to invest does not return void in his eternal kingdom? Um, if we're not stewarding our money as though it's God, um, then this parable really ought to convict us. It should eva- help us to eva- or show us to evaluate where we might not be trusting God's promises, his goodness, um, and where we need to step out in faith uh, to do that. Um, four quick things briefly in conclusion, and I'm happy to answer questions um, at the end. Um, I know over a couple minutes <laughs> here already. Um, so just first, um, when God is the acknowledged owner of everything, it changes our mindset around our circumstances. Um, if we have that large medical bill that we're struggling with and we're worried about finances, that doesn't change the worry, but it changes our understanding of God is going to provide ultimately, and he's provided ultimately eternally. Um, and while on earth that might mean financial stress, risk, you know, a lot of things that are realities of, as li- of life, um, it doesn't change who we are in God um, eternally, and it's important to keep that in mind. Um, God provides us what we need. Secondly, we can trust him and not fear. Um, That's easier said than done. Um, Please don't hear the oversimplification in that statement. Um, But we want to come back to God's promises. We want to give the Spirit opportunity to speak through Scripture um, and remind us of what God has said, which is true and is ultimately true, and not allow our own thoughts and and challenges to kind of become the mindset that we uh, embrace and kind of believe as truth. Uh, third, we've, we need to read scripture. We need to know what God's promises are. We need to pray and ask the Spirit to examine our hearts and approach to resources. We need to think about where we need to um, maybe repent, where we need to be generous, where we need to let the Lord move and work. And fourth, we may need to actually change how we're using our resources. We may not be as generous as we need to be. We may not be as purposeful. Um, I know that we're constantly evaluating, trying to on an annual basis at least, are we stewarding it well? Where is the Lord calling us? What do we need to use our money for? How can we use it? Um, and I think, you know, in all of these things, it requires some level of deliberateness um, and isn't going to just happen. Um, yep. Let me close there because I'm over um, and pray and then happy to take any questions after that or folks can be dismissed. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for what your word tells us on stewardship and resources. We thank you that you are good and over all things. Um, We pray, Lord God, that you will use this time to remind us of who you are, 
of what you've promised, of what you um, give us and what you provide, Lord God. We pray that you remind us that you are over all things, um, whether we have little or much, um, whether we uh, have fear or trust, Lord God, that you um, own it all and that we need to uh, just turn to you to know what your word says about this and not what the world says about it, um, and that we need to uh, think well about um, who you are, what you've done, um, and what you're doing and working in our lives, Father. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.